Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life, Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we have the opportunity to continue to take up this theme of witness and apply it to this context that we've been dealing with over the past three weeks, the context of applying our faith in the area of medicine. So what I've done is I've asked medical professionals from different fields to talk about not only their experience of applying their faith in the practice of medicine, but also offer up some sound bites that might help us better understand our own journey of faith and things we need to be thinking about. So three weeks ago, it was James Mabry and what he had to share with us. He is a PA in the area of internal medicine. A couple weeks ago, it was Nick Curlin, who works in pediatrics in the Sacramento area. He had some good things to share with us. And of course, last week, it was the physical therapist, a good friend of mine, Matt Schaefer. And Matt's field, like that of Nick Curlin, is in the area of pediatrics. What's a little unique to Matt's experience is he has the opportunity to go to homes. He works with, with little ones at homes. And so he shared a great deal about that, how he sees his faith being applied in his practice as he ministers to families, as he has to deal with a, a number of tough issues. Um, and so that was a great joy. If you missed any of those three programs, please go to my archives at uh, joeholcraft.org. And this week I have um, a special guest, a very special guest. <laughs> it is my wife, uh, Jackie. She is a physician assistant in the field of dermatology. So she takes care of those patients who uh, have skin issues. So uh, it is a great joy, Jackie, to have you with me this evening. It's good to be here. So, Jackie, what we've been about here, as I've kind of noted off the top, is to look at this relationship between medicine and faith. One of the things that has come through pretty strong in all of our previous guests is how God disclosed himself to our aforementioned guests early on in their journey of faith and, and how God was calling them to become the doctor, PA, or physical therapist that they were called to be. Now, of course, knowing your story well, uh, something similar happened to you. Yes, when I was 15 years old, I found out that I had severe scoliosis and needed back surgery, which came to a complete surprise to me and my family. But God had a bigger plan. Just having that experience of having been in the hospital for a week and coming into contact with all different medical providers, I realized that medicine interested me and may have been something that I would want to get into. Having that surgery helped me be able to see that maybe caring for people would be something that I wanted to do as an adult, but being only a freshman in high school, still had a few years to decide what um, area I wanted to go into. And that stuck with me all through high school, kind of played with the idea of becoming a doctor, but realized that that may have been just too long of an education. I wanted to have a family and didn't want to be in my mid-30s before I started one. So physician assistant was something at the forefront of, of my mind in that it was a perfect fit, that I could still have a family 
and still be in medicine and provide care for all different ages, which is which was the end goal. And that brought me to St. Francis University, which is where I received my physician assistant degree. Um, I was there for five years and being in a Catholic environment really helped me form um, my faith, one, but also um, my ability to bring my faith into my practice too. Granted, St. Francis at the time was not super Catholic, meaning we didn't have all Catholic professors, but I still had the opportunity to attend Mass daily, which played a big part in building my faith throughout my college years. For our listening audience, um, this is where you and I met, okay, at St. Francis University, and uh, not to spend a whole lot of time getting into those details, but so our listening audience knows it was from there that we moved back to California. California, the state of California is, is where I'm originally from. You're originally from Ohio. We were engaged. We come out to California. And you started practicing me- medicine in a medically underserved area. And I know um, in that setting, pretty immediately, you were a challenge to look at uh, just not what you do and how you do it as it relates to the discipline of medicine and practicing medicine, but also what this looks like in light of your faith. Yes, I, um, being in a medically underserved area, you see a lot of just hard cases, things that, you know, some physicians may go their whole, their whole life and never see um, just because people don't have access to medical care in the way that they need to. And where I was working, I was basically thrown to the wolves my immediately supervising physician wasn't always available, so I had to make decisions on the spot on my own, which isn't ideal as a new graduate. So I found myself calling upon the Holy Spirit quite a bit, just trying to make decisions that were correct for that patient. Mm. And one time I, I remember a specific story of a lady who came in who I don't even remember how many children she had, but I know she had a handful. Um, She definitely had some drug and alcohol problems, but she came in visibly pregnant and she wanted confirmation that she was pregnant. And I, at the time, was kind of baffled by this and I couldn't understand why she wanted a pregnancy test. And she told me that it was because she, she needed confirmation because she wanted to go have an abortion. So this was a challenge of my faith because here's this lady who was very strong and wanting an abortion, but very visibly pregnant. Um, So she was pretty far along, and she knew Mm. that she could only have an abortion within a certain amount of time. So I tried my hardest to talk her through it, and I got um, my Doppler out and let her listen to the baby's heartbeat, Mm. which afterwards she said, I wish you wouldn't have done that. And Mm. I said, why? Why wouldn't you want me to do that? Because now it makes it harder. Mm. So I don't know what happened. I never did see her again. And certainly that's a time where, you know, you pray a lot um, for those people. And that was a challenge, of course, of my faith and of medicine in itself, because um, being who I am, I couldn't just say, go ahead and have the abortion, despite what I knew of her background. You know, Mm. Certainly we talked about adoption and things like that. And then I referred her places that uh, leave that as an option. So, Thank you for sharing that, Jackie. That's a beautiful testimony and a beautiful witness 
Um, you know, there are a couple things that struck me. The first of which was you're invoking the Holy Spirit, huh? <laughs> you know, the gospel narrative reminds us what the Holy Spirit is, who the Holy Spirit is, right? The Holy Spirit is our advocate. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. The Holy Spirit is our advisor. Literally speaking, you know, the Greek translation has this judicial sense, defending us against uh, the adversary, the father of lies, uh, so as to guard us in that spirit of truth. But the Holy Spirit is the love shared between the Father and the Son, right? So the Holy Spirit is going to bring love into the situation. That's really my my second observation, how you brought love concretely into this situation, the simple act of allowing her to listen to the heartbeat with your Doppler. I mean, how beautiful is that? And then to practically advise her with her options, another expression of love. And we need to be thinking about this uh, in every walk of life. How can we invoke the Holy Spirit and in so doing, bring love into that personal encounter with whom we are dealing with? Now, Jackie, you were practicing in this this medically underserved area for a period of, what was it? Four years. Four years. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so as to be closer to family, and so we can do what we needed to do as a family, you started uh, practicing in the field of dermatology. So when we hear this word dermatology for our listening audience who might not be familiar with it, what, what is dermatology? Um, well, dermatology is the study of the skin. So anybody who wants their moles checked or um, if they have skin lesions that they're concerned about, then they'll come in to see us to check those areas out. In general, my day is basically seeing patients every 10 to 15 minutes doing skin checks or treating acne or warts, um, treating skin cancers. So it's, it's an all-around treatment of the skin from birth to elderly. I have a patient who's 103 years old, and I have mm -hmm. seen newborns. Kind of the beauty of it, getting to see all ages. Nice. Mm. You know, Jackie, as you talk about treating the skin, I can only imagine that there is an emphasis on the flesh. Uh, one of the things we had talked about three weeks ago was the unity of body and soul. And we kind of reflected on that a little bit because to really understand the relationship between medicine and faith, you know, the material and immaterial, you can stand to talk a little bit about the body and soul. And I noted the catechism three weeks ago, and I'll, I'll bring it in now because it, I think it certainly applies. The catechism says this, The unity of soul and body is so profound that one has to consider the soul to be the form of the body. It is because of its spiritual soul that the body made of matter becomes a living human body. In essence, what the catechism is saying is, spirit and matter in man are not two natures united, but rather their union forms a single nature. We are human persons, as John Paul II would like to call it, incarnate spirits or spiritualized bodies. You know, the, the human being is not a spirit trapped in a body. The body is not a prison from which the soul will finally be liberated at death. In essence, what we are made to understand and what's important to our program here this evening, Jackie, is that there is a sacramentality to our body. And by that, what the church wants us to see and what John Paul II emphasized so much is that the body is capable of making visible 
what is invisible. And so we are challenged with this reflection every day to see the unity of body and soul and not to put an overemphasis on one. And in the context of dermatology, especially the flesh, lest we fall into this cult of the body. Okay, so there is this sacramentality of the body. And what do we mean when we say that? Well, it is the way in which there is an external manifestation of a deeper interior reality. If we are happy, what do we do? We laugh. If we are sad, what do we do? We cry. Okay, there's tears. If we are embarrassed, what do we see? We see uh, red cheeks, right? There is an external manifestation of an interior reality. There is a sacramentality to our body. And by sacrament, we mean external sign of an inward reality. And so, again, I go there, Jackie, because it's so important for us to have uh, a deeper understanding that we are just not the flesh, where we are called to accentuate all these different aspects of what we see in the mirror. No, there's a whole other reality. And I think uh, the topic of dermatology allows us to talk a little bit about this, huh? I mean, I'm sure people come to you and they want you to make them look better, huh? That's true. Uh, Cosmetic dermatology is actually almost becoming its own specialty because it does treat a certain group of people. Certainly in my office, me and my supervising physician have both decided not to go the route of cosmetic dermatology. So we do not treat those people in that way. And I'm when I talk about cosmetic dermatology, I mean doing Botox or fillers, lasers, that kind of thing. Because it, it, it takes on a whole nother group of people that bring to the practice just something that um, we just aren't aren't prepared to deal with and have chosen not to deal with because that's not important in our practice of medicine. We're more focused on medical dermatology, treating medical problems. Jackie, when I hear you talk about cosmetic dermatology, I can't help but think of the word, you know, cosmos, you know, uh, it's where we get the word world, right? Or, or, or universe. In fact, the word uh, worldliness comes from an, an overconcern of of appearances, right? It's all tied together and, and cosmetics is what helps us in our appearance. It's interesting, if you were to go back into the Old Testament, as I'm thinking about this, you know, um, we, we hear that phrase, woe to you, O vanity. You know, what's going on there? You know, the, the author is looking back at the end of his life and he's saying, you know, woe to you, vanity, that I wasted my time. The word itself, vanity, comes from the Latin vanus, meaning emptiness or waste of time. And so it's certainly a preoccupation with appearance, but it's also a preoccupation with just being concerned about what people think of you in a secular sense. And uh, it's an interesting reflection because when you put this in the context of cosmetic dermatology, I can only imagine while you don't practice it, it's certainly around you each and every day. Um, What we've done in American popular culture is we've really given rise to this cult of the body where we have slipped into this kind of false worship of the body that I had just touched upon earlier. You know, on Thursday evenings, we have been treating what is called theology of the body. Theology of the body is 
a treatment of basically better understanding the relationship between God and sexuality, how we can actually better understand the way in which God wants to reveal himself in our lives in light of our maleness and femaleness. And uh, Christopher West, the author of many books concerning theology of the body, really addressed what we're talking about now. We've been speaking about this on Thursday evenings, this this cult of the body. And uh, he says this, reflecting with John Paul II and Benedict XVI, he says, does anyone doubt that our culture's brand of exalting the body has led countless men and women to be dissatisfied with their own? He asks this question, why is the cosmetic surgery industry exploding, huh? I mean, Jackie, you were just talking about how cosmetic dermatology is its own sub-practice. Well, is it any wonder why? You know, he goes on to ask uh, several other questions. You know, why do so many people have eating disorders? Why do so many of us feel uncomfortable in our own skin and displeased with the way we look? You know, one of the main reasons is that the bodies the culture exalts are airbrushed fantasies and computer-altered ideals that essentially we espouse towards. Bodies without blemishes, bodies without an ounce of fat, bodies that, in all truth, no one has, right? (laughs) Not even the models who pose for those doctored photographs. And gosh, how providential is it that we are talking about the stuff of being without blemish on this day, this great solemnity of Mary, who was immaculately conceived, Mary born immune from the stain of sin, the one who teaches us how to live our lives without blemish, not the blemish we see on our skin, but the blemish of the stain of sin. It's striking. Um, Jackie, just by way of transition, because I want to make sure I, I get to this, before we came on air here, we were talking about some observ- observations you've made about people aging. Uh, and I thought you had some fascinating observations there. All of us. I can say that with 100% certainty that all of us have a challenge with aging, that we all don't necessarily want to get older or look older. And I see it every day. I, I would say... Half of my patients that I do skin checks on will make comments like, don't get old, or getting old is not for the faint of heart, or um, they call this the golden years. Mm. I even had a lady say, it's fool's gold. It's not the golden years. (laughs) That's cute. Um, So all those wrinkles and sunspots or age spots, as some people call them, they, you know, that they're having a hard time coming to terms with their body aging. And mm-hmm. I think we all at some point in our life have, have to come to terms with that. But my response to them is usually something of, well, you had a lot of fun getting those wrinkles or you had a lot of fun getting those sunspots and you mm-hmm. wouldn't change that. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't go back and change any of that. And, you know, we can, we can only control so much. And all those spots and wrinkles tell a story. They tell a story about where we've been and, and too, about our family. You know, our genetics come through, too, mm-hmm. in our skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are all linking us to our past. Mm, that's a beautiful point. <laughs> that is striking. You know, we have talked a great deal on this radio program about the importance of memory. Uh, memory is that great faculty of the soul that allows us to reconnect with who we are. You know, we have three faculties of the soul, intellect, will, and memory. 
And memory is the greatest faculty of the soul because it routes our whole identity. Huh? It is that immeasurable sanctuary. And it's tied to that principle of tradition because tradition is that principle that, that links one generation to another. It allows us to have conversation with the past. So as you talk about the way in which skin has this capacity to tell a story because it leaves those marks. And, and, and I think we all have those, just not the genetic marks. And I think those in of themselves uh, speak to something there as well. But the way in which we've acquired marks through the years and how we can look in the mirror and say, huh, I've got that sunspot because I was in Hawaii doing this or that. And, and memory is important. It allows us to have that conversation with the past. And if we remove all of these spots, and not condemning it per se, I'm not doing that right now, but drawing back and, and looking at this anew. I mean, I've never really thought about it this way, and I, I'm, in, I'm at the very least very intrigued by it. Very intrigued by it. And this whole discussion on cosmetic dermatology, it also draws out another point, which is, you know, when we age, we have to confront the reality of death. I think part of this explosion in cosmetic surgery is this attempt to distance ourselves from that definitive truth that we all know will come our way beside tax taxes, and that's death. And the more we can begin to think about living with the end in mind, uh, the better we are going to be in, in our journey of faith. And so this is why I think really when you and I first started talking about you coming on, this was the point I wanted to get to, really, because dermatology is uh, unique in this way, where you are going to confront this uh, one day after another, the, that patient who is looking at themselves in such a way where they're having that dialogue, that internal dialogue. Um, I'm aging. What am I going to do about this? Am I going to do anything about this? I want to look better here. Maybe I'm not going to worry about that. This this interior tension that we need to um, work through so as to be able to look at ourselves truly and say, okay, I am who I am. I'm creating the image and likeness of God. And this is the person that God is calling me to be. Um, so important. And also I've seen a transition happen in some people too, where they are cosmetically sensitive, but then something happens such as a skin cancer. They, they got a skin cancer on their face. And that, mm. that concern of being deformed or having a large scar in, on, on the front of their face, um, certainly I would say often people go through a transition of really caring about what they look like to, is this going to hurt me? Could I die from this? Suddenly cosmetics is taking a back seat. Mm. Um, so when it threatens your life, certainly vanity is lower on the totem pole mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. So, and that's kind of where I am able to bring my faith into my practice. Just being um, a caring person, asking God to walk with me every day, bringing Jesus in the room, whether the patient knows that or not. Mm -hmm. um, just, just caring for them, no matter if they are very cosmetic or not but caring for them in the same way that Jesus would. One of the words that has been a theme uh, up to this point, as we've talked about the relationship between medicine and faith, has been the word vulnerable. I'm sure you see a lot of people in their vulnerability, yeah? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, giving somebody a diagnosis of melanoma um, makes somebody pretty vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, just the stigma of melanoma, it's a scary thing. Um, it's scary because of the unknown. It definitely has, has the sting of potential death and people become very vulnerable mm. during that time, just very scared. And then we have the others who don't really realize what you just told them until the next day, you know, which is usually when we get the phone calls of, mm -hmm. wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's going to happen? They were Googling melanoma the night before yeah. and they are reading all about it. Yeah. Or it just sinks in, you know. Yeah. You know, Jackie, uh, three weeks ago, I was talking a little bit uh, about the bedside manner, if you will, <laughs> with James Mabry. And in so many ways, I, I just have kind of always envisioned bedside manners as you bring who you are uh, to the person. And when you talk about this church's mission that she's embarking upon right now, the mission of the new evangelization, she has uh, distilled that mission into a few words, the culture of encounter. I see the one practicing medicine as one who is invaluable to the new evangelization because the bedside manner is incredibly important to bringing that person you know, in their vulnerability to see God more clearly. Now, you talked about bringing Jesus into the room, whether or not they know it. Well, I like that because uh, you might be their, their only Jesus they ever see. <laughs> and uh, is it not our duty to introduce everyone we come into contact with to the person of Jesus Christ who has saved us from sin and who calls us into this wonderful new relationship with him that each and every day we might discover something new about ourselves and what an adventure and the uniqueness of of you uh, matt schaefer nick nick Curl, and james mabry is that you know christ was a divine physician so you share in that that ministry that ministry of healing and, and what a what a gift that that really is and as we wrap up our series of reflections on the relationship between medicine and faith that would be, I think, the golden point to be had, is how we are only going to be the best version of who God is asking us to be, especially if you are a doctor, to the degree that you go to the divine doctor and see how he um, heals. Because it's just not about the physical healing. He healed people physically, certainly. There are many miracles that the Gospels record, but he was also concerned with the soul. He was also concerned with the whole person. Um, this is what every doctor is called to be present to. And, and even if we're not a doctor, if we find ourselves in another vocation, just being present to the whole person is really quintessential to the task of witnessing to our faith in, in that vocation that God has called us to. So amen to that. Jackie, thank you for joining me for this last installment of our reflections uh, between medicine and faith. And I think our listening audience will benefit greatly. Thank, so thank you. you. Thanks. Let's close in a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mother Mary, we do turn to you at the close of this evening. We turn to you on this great solemnity, mindful that uh, we are to learn from your great yes, that God rolled up his, his divine sleeves and created his masterpiece, that indeed <laughs> his Son would dwell in perfection. And mindful of your great yes, mindful of the ways in which you teach us how to be a disciple. You who are the model disciple, pondering 
all things in your heart. You teach us to ponder, to discern, to direct in so many ways. And so as you said, all generations shall call me blessed, we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and never shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.